Welcome to the Buzzcast, the official podcast of the Killer Bee League, an unofficial but officially fun Killer Queen Black League. Hello, everyone. We are your hosts. Uh, my name is Kyle, and this is my co-host Blake. Hello, everybody. Okay, Kyle. Before we get started here, I just need to make a correction. Okay. Uh, this is a little embarrassing. On last week's episode, uh, we mentioned that in Shaka's matchup versus Cash Money Billionaires, you as Queen had a season high of 1.66 Queen kills per game. However, what I'd forgotten about was that uh, that was an unofficial makeup set uh, after we lost our stats from the official game due to a hosting bug that was affecting a number of Killer Queen Black games that week. Uh, not just in our league, but across across the, the platform. Uh, that's now fixed, uh, which is great. However, I just wanted to, wanted to note that there's an asterisk on that stat, as there was an unofficial extra set that factored into the equation. And the official set in which the statistics were lost was uh, a much more even matchup uh, than the extra set that replaced it. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Our, it's you know it's it's uh, it's pretty wild that in three seasons that's the first time we didn't get the stats. At least it wasn't our fault, though, right? Right. No, I, I was thinking. I was thinking exactly the same thing. It took us three seasons before we had an asterisk. Mm-hmm. Other than the the season two doping scandal. Right. Well, you know, let's just not go there. Fortunately, we weren't doing the podcast <laughs> that, back then, and we don't have to get into the details on that because, oh, what a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, suffice to say, last week's stats would have looked quite different for that matchup had it not been for that anomaly. But that's that's okay. Thanks for that update, Blake. Why don't you give us an update on what we have in store for our listeners for this episode? Sure. So we'll start with a review of the hot B on B action from week seven. Uh, We'll take a look at the week eight matchups. That's the penultimate match week of this season. Then we'll get on today's topic, which is Blake's bagged uh, mailbag episode. And then finally, uh, we'll provide some details uh, on the just announced Stinger Bee Jamboree, a super fun in-person event we're going to be hosting. Oh, that sounds real exciting. And speaking of exciting, I think everybody has been getting excited about Blake's bag, especially me. Hell yeah, it's going to be fun. I actually got a paper cut on one of the envelopes, though, so that's too bad. We should try and see if people can submit them electronically next time yeah better go get that checked out yeah well before we go into the matchups you know i just wanted to raise something that and i don't know if you you noticed it blake but something that i felt i noticed in both of last week's matchups for lack of a better term i'm just going to call it the podcast effect and what i mean by that well the best i'll I'll go with an example the best example i have were power-ups let me let me explain. In weeks one through six, we hardly ever saw anybody going for power-up combos. They just didn't happen. Then, last week, we ran the power-up episode, and suddenly it seems like everybody is running around getting double and even triple power-ups. And what I'm wondering, Blake, is, this is very postmodern, but did we accidentally impact the outcomes of games simply by publishing the podcast? Or, you know, or has everyone just been going for these combos the whole time? And maybe it's just that me as the broadcaster, my own attention is now being drawn to it. 
as just an observer, not even the person going for the combos, but that this is all happening, again, as a result of producing the podcast. So what do you think, Blake? Do you think there's a podcast effect? Well, I think it's possible, and the observer effect is also almost certainly a factor. I felt like I noticed a subtle bump in econ play uh, after we did the the various episodes. So yeah, you never know. Uh, it, it may it may even be that that it it was real because there might have been some people in the league who didn't know you could stack power ups. So yeah, no, I think I think it was real. I think I think there's something there. Okay. Yeah, no, it's just something that I felt I noticed, and I just want to make sure that it wasn't just me. But okay, I'm I'm glad I'm not the only one. All right, let's take a look at the week seven matchups, the the match week that uh, just recently concluded. All right. So the first matchup was Shaka when the drones fell versus the flail snails. In the end, there, despite uh, the the wishes of the crowd, there were no big surprises in this matchup. Uh, Shaka, the league leaders, continued to roll along, and the flail snails sadly continued to flail. The match was done in two sets, uh, pretty pretty conclusively. The first set was straight military wins, uh, with some extremely textbook snail baiting. Courtney uh, was very notable to me uh, as a as a snail guard. She was getting some very very clutch kills on on queens. Diving in, uh, you know, not having much choice because of, of course, the relentless progress of, of Victoria on the snail. But yeah, it was great. It was great to see Courtney get those kills. Set two was was more of the same. Everybody knows Shaka's game plan by now, but it doesn't seem to matter. They they still execute it flawlessly. And, and Flail Snails, just like the other teams, have been essentially helpless to stop it. Uh, Courtney continued to rock and roll as as a very effective snail guard. Uh, I she won one of the games with the third queen kill uh, with her flail, um, her mace swinging hard. Uh, and so so with this victory, that concludes the season series between these two teams. And Shaka uh, get the brooms out. They swept the flail snails in all three matchups. Uh, there there was maybe. You know, maybe some regrets on the flail snails, just to wonder how things might have gone a bit differently if, if not for the the serious serious uh, ping issues uh, that their queen was facing being out of town. But you know, that's just this time of year; people go on vacation. There's not much you can do about it. I'm just happy he was able to play from all the way up there onto into Fino. For sure, for sure. And, you know, I, I have to second what you were saying about Courtney. She was really solid in that matchup. She's actually, she's really solid in all the matchups we play. Uh, and, you know, you don't necessarily see that reflected in her, uh, in her stats totals. But, you know, I find that's because she is moving to where she's needed. So she's not necessarily going on the offensive she is patrolling in the right spot waiting for the offense to come to her and yeah you know and so and when you do that you're not spending your whole time racking up stats but you are putting yourself in the right place at the right time to be effective and make a difference and i i feel that that's what courtney does for shaka team player i think is the is the term you're looking for there absolutely and she she truly fits that description yeah but this game I usually find at, when I'm spectating, there will be some player who stands out who I'll find myself 
yelling their name repeatedly. And it was in this matchup, it was Courtney for sure. You know, as a side note, just going back to what we were just saying about the podcast effect, that actually was a factor for Shaka at the start. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna share a little bit of our team's locker room chat before the game. The conversation for this game, like follow, following the podcast, was we because we've been talking about flail snails. We've been talking about how they are they're keeping up with all the other teams. They're ready to go. They're ready to break through. And before the game at Shaka, we were saying to ourselves, oh man, oh man, oh man, flail snails is going to come at us hard. You know, should we try something new? No, no, let's just buckle down and let's just do our game and be ready for that. And we we did that and uh, and we kind of we kind of swept them as a result. But had it not been for the podcast, we might have actually been a little bit uh, more experimental and tried out some new things instead of just sticking to our 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 game. <laughs> so is you saying it's because that was my my key my key to the match for you guys? I I think saying uh, keep on keeping on and and execute the the plan that you're doing so well at. That uh, that's right. It was wasn't it? <laughs> Thanks, Blake. It absolutely was. You're welcome. I'm sure Flail Snows is are, are listening to this and thanking you too right now. Hope so. Let's see. Looking looking ahead in the schedule, just for Flail Snails, when are you playing Sting and the Police next? Oh, I don't have the schedule handy for me. Match week nine. Match week nine. Okay, so yeah. Flail Snails, you can thank Blake uh, in week nine. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the update uh, on the first matchup, Blake. Uh, I will take us through the second match of the night, which was a 2 nothing win for the Cash Honey Billionaires over Sting and the Police, your team. Uh, a matchup in which the story was really, well, it was really the relentless attack by Cash Honey Billionaires on Sting of the Police's Queen, that being you, Blake. And that relentless attack, I felt, really seemed to knock Sting off of its game. Let me explain what I mean by that. So typically this season, despite 88% of their wins coming via military, Sting has really nevertheless been pushing for a really balanced attack of economic and snail approaches. And you can see this particularly in the stats. You can see Anthony and Dylan sitting second and third, both in total berries and total snail miles, with Adam playing a fairly dynamic support role depending on the situation. But ultimately, Blake, it's really been you as the queen doing most of the damage for your team. You've been leading the league this season with 396 total kills, nearly 8% more than your nearest queen rival, which is, well, well, that's me. Um, But Blake, what I saw in this matchup was a kind of pressure placed on you and your team that you probably haven't been used to so far this uh, this season, coming largely in the form of special guest queen Joe from B-Game League. And I'm going (laughs) to... Yeah, he's absolutely a cut above that guy. He's he's really he was really phenomenal, and it was really something to watch. I I felt as an observer, and I can only imagine what it was like to actually have to go up against him. I'm going to share some stats here, Blake, if you don't mind, and I'm and I, I'm sorry for drudging up uh, and maybe re-traumatizing you a little bit here. Your death rate of 2.62 deaths per game as queen was more than double that of Joe's 1.12, and with 11 queen kills across eight games. Joe singularly accounted for more than half of your 21 deaths. And I, I say I say this, and not none of this is to detract, of course, from the efforts of 
Joe's teammates, Mike, Crystal, and Patrick, right? They they all contributed with their own military pressure, including Mike with a pair of game-winning strikes, Crystal with a game-winning strike, and Crystal also added about 200 snail miles per game, a rate which, if over the course of the season, would put her only behind Victoria for the for the lead in the league. However, Joe's 1.37 queen kills per game would put him right at the top of the league. Now, it's, that's a small sample size to be sure, but for me, I think that's probably the stat that more than anything really tells the story of this game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I lived it. I can agree with that. And I, I think game four, if you can recall, game four, Blake, of the first set was really representative of that, where on the nesting flats, your team had just about pulled off a snail victory before Crystal was able to pull the snail back from the brink. But you were really you were really right there, and you dominated in gate control. You had a 64% uh, control over Joe's 36% in that game. I think towards the end of this long game, you went down to your last queen, and Joe, still having two queens left, went entirely on the offensive and chased you down until he struck the blow that won that match. Yeah, definitely. I think that you're right. That 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 game really encapsulates the what the whole matchup was like. Uh, it also um, there's some good foreshadowing there too. One of the one of the mailbag uh, questions later. Mm-hmm. I, I I think so, and you know. It was that relentlessness of Joe chasing you down that, you know, really left its mark with me and left a mark on you too, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, looking for some positives in that matchup, if I were to try to find a positive for Sting, and tell me if you agree or not, I really felt that it was in game two of the second spe- uh, second set on the Spire, uh, where your team, Blake, I, I feel really got back to its strongest points in the form of uh, trying to put economic pressure on the other team. Did you find that? Yeah, I did. I did. I'm just trying to remember the specifics of that one. We hadn't been doing a lot of econ up to that point. It was so it was a bit of a Hail Mary to say, you know, what we had been trying wasn't working. And we so we were going to try something else. And yeah, we did. We did. We could see some cracks there. We could see we could see a, a potential path to victory. It didn't work out in the end, but not for the whole set. Uh, and you're right, you had not been doing berries at all up to that point. You you didn't uh, make any attempts at them in the first set, which is very, very rare for Sting to get zero berries in a set. But you came back to this, you came back to your game in this particular game. And when you did that, it really forced Joe onto the defensive. He went up to the hive and was desperately trying to keep the berries out while his team was pursuing a snail victory so he was just trying to you know hold off the berries so his team can get that snail which put you on the defensive too blake i I think in this case that was probably joe's fatal mistake in this one game right because i think we'll both agree it's far easier in the role of a queen to take out unprotected snail riders than it is for a queen to block an onslaught of berries in the enemy hive but the key here is that Joe removed himself not just from the offensive equation, but also from gate control as well, because he was in the hive. He wasn't running around tagging gates. That meant that Cash Honey Billionaire's workers weren't able to soldier up uh, and either take on the hive guarding responsibility or uh, to address you uh, while you were guarding the snail and stopping them from advancing it. And in fact, it looked to me that Crystal had Cash Honey Billionaire's only kill by any of their workers in that whole game so that was the positive for me that i that i saw here now because then adam who by the way had five swishes in that game he was able to sneak through and get that last berry for the win 
But my my point is that your team played to its strengths, and it was a night and day difference when you did. You did that, and Cash Money Billionaires was almost entirely ineffective that whole game, other than pushing the snail to the end. So what I'm wondering, Blake, is do you feel, is there a lesson to be learned in this, in the contrast of this game from the seven others in which Joe was really a force to be reckoned with. Sure. I I feel like there's a Sun Tzu quote for this, but I can't recall it. But yeah, it's just, you know, you don't want to confront an unstoppable force head on. I mean, what, what do you want to do? You want to, you want to sidestep it, go around it. So we, we found a way in that game to, instead of trying to, you know, take Joe down militarily, which we were entirely incapable of doing, we, you know, we took a different tactic. And that's, of course, the beauty of this game, the three different paths to victory. So uh, we found, we found the path that works for us. Yes, you, you might have to poke and prod to find out which one it is, but, but there will be one that's going to be the soft spot. So, you know, and I might add that we saw the podcast effect in full, uh, in full, full force uh, in your matchup as well because last week you announced that joe was going to be a guest queen and this week he was <laughs> yeah we made that happen yep you really did <laughs> anyways uh where does that leave us in the standings blake uh standings remain the same for the time being shocker when the drones fell sitting comfortably in first cash honey billionaires in second sting and the police in third and flail snails in fourth and at this point, uh, I can announce that both first and fourth place are locked in. So nobody nobody is catching Shaka in the regular season now, and Flail Snails can mentally prepare themselves for the gauntlet that will be trying to win from fourth place in the playoffs. We should talk about that playoff format a little bit next week. Speaking of next week, let's look ahead to week eight. Blake, what are the upcoming matchups and what would you say your keys for success for each team are? Sure, yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, this is the penultimate match week of uh, season three. So week eight sees uh, in match one, Shaka, when the drones fell, hosting Sting and the police. So this is a very important matchup for Sting uh, if they want to have any hope of catching Cash Honey Billionaire's for second place. So so they're going to be trying extra hard if that's possible. The key for the game, I would say, for Sting is to build upon the growth that we saw them achieving in their last matchup with, with Shaka. It's a hill to climb, uh, Shaka still being undefeated, but but I think that uh, there was some, some positives in their last match, and I think if, if uh, Sting and the police can look back at those and build upon those, uh, so not looking at this as something new, but as sort of take two of the plan they came up with. I think that will serve them well. For Shaka, as mentioned, Shaka has now locked in first place in the regular season. So not saying that there is nothing for them to play for, because there certainly is. The honor of, of an undefeated season is huge. But they can definitely relax. They can take a breath and they can uh, use this time for fine tuning. So I would say the key to the game for them is to really work on their mental game, work on their edge. Uh, if they if they're not too concerned about the undefeated thing, they could even try some other strategies. I know that I repeatedly said their key to the game was don't try new strategies, but now that they are safely in first, why not? You know, while the rest of the league is, is hard at work trying to crack the nut that is, is beating their plan A, if they, if they suddenly work on and, and, uh, and solidify a plan B as well, yeah, man, that would make them even tougher. So match two sees Cash Honey Billionaires hosting the Flail Snails. Cash Honey needs this win to uh, help 
fend off uh, a push by Sting for that second place slot. Uh, they also need to reacquaint themselves. So uh, that would be the key to the map to uh, get comfortable with their regular queen again and think as a team. They've had the unfortunate circumstance of having their queen out several times this season. And I think that they really need to kind of work on their team cohesion. So that would be the key to the game. Uh, for flail snails, I, I would love to see them maybe huddle up, recognize their strengths and really have yeah, some self-reflection on, on what it is they do well. Some positive self-reflection on on the things that they're succeeding in. That's really going to help them to grow and hopefully win that match. All right. Thank you, Blake. So that's what to expect from next week's games. Those are Blake's keys to success. Let's move on to the segment that everybody's w been waiting for. It's time to check out Blake's bag. Yeah, baby. This is my bag. Let's open up Blake's bag. Uh, I've got it here. I'm just reaching in. I'm, I'm taking these all randomly. Uh, so I'm pulling out the first question and... Oh, sorry. Before anyone tries to write in and say that this is fake because Kyle has the letters and I'm not at his house, I'll let you know Kyle uh, faxed copies of them over to me. So There you go. Okay, this first letter is from Tim. And Tim writes, Hello, Blake and Kyle. With the introduction of the other Killer Queen Black Leagues, and seeing how organized and well-practiced they are, what do you think this means to the Stinger B-League? Do you think that it will influence us to start practicing more, researching strategies, and incentivize us to all become better players? Or do you see Stinger B-League as more of a recreational or casual league? Some good questions there. What are your thoughts on that, Blake? Fun. This is a this is a fun one. So there's life out there. It's it's quite cool. I've I've personally been aware of the B game league for a while via the official Killer Queen Black Discord. Uh, but it was really cool when they reached out. It was it was it was quite neat. Um, what does it mean for us? Uh, I think at the end of the day, it means more opportunities to play Killer Queen Black with other people who love the game as much as we do. The leagues are the really quite different beasts. B-Game League is is public. They are you know, actively trying to recruit uh, players from wherever. Uh, where we're basically a house league. Uh, you know, as, as we all know, we, we're all friends or friends of friends or, you know, new friends. Uh, so so they're really not in competition for, for player base or anything. Uh, I can't speak for everyone on the second point, but I personally find it pretty inspiring to see great players do their thing. Joe has posted several highlight videos that are just like mind-boggling. It's it's almost like they're playing a different game. Oh my goodness, for sure. Yeah, it makes me want to raise my game for sure. Like it's it's quite cool and quite inspiring. Uh, as far as like Stinger B League though, uh, I see it remaining a rec casual league. I think that that's we've really hit a sweet spot there. We've done really well for ourselves. I think that everyone is having a great time. And that's because it's a social club, essentially, first, then a competition second. When Joe recently participated in our league, he actually commented on that afterwards. He was saying it was quite cool and, and very different for him that everybody was in the same voice channel, just kind of shooting the breeze and, and riffing on each other. And very cool, but very different because it's, and that's because of this sort of social aspect that we've uh, engendered. So there's absolutely no reason to change that. Like I said, at the opening of this, it's really, it really just means there's more opportunities to play. There's, there's nothing stopping people from Stinger B League all, to also play on teams in B Game League if they want that, if they want to get their asses kicked really bad. 
and slowly, you know, become better players, which, you know, because you only really become better by competing against people who are better than you. So, And I, I think another thing to observe is that uh, Stinger B-League is essentially a hat league, right? Like we, yeah. we scramble the teams up uh, each season. And I, I have to admit, I don't know, is B-Game League a hat league or do players assemble their own teams? I am not positive, uh, but I, I believe it's a hybrid. I believe that people can sign up as a team or they can sign up as individuals and be assigned to a hat team, essentially. Don't, if anyone, if you really care to know, look it up because that's, don't take that as definitive. I'm not positive on that. Yeah. I, I personally really enjoy the, the hat league aspect of our team and, and switching the, the players around. Uh, and I mean, again, maybe that's something B game league does as well. And I mean, it's, it's not like you have to choose, uh, you know, we can play in Stinger B League and we could play in B Game League as well. But it's it's certainly something that I have really come to appreciate about Stinger B League is that the casualness of it and the the fact that we're always mixing it up. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. It's very fun. It's I've I've made new friends. I mean the just because I've been put on a team with somebody who I didn't know. So yeah, you know, maybe instead of of just sending people to the source, maybe we should bring the source here on the podcast, Blake. Maybe we should reach out to Joe and see if he wants to come on for an episode and tell us about B Game League. I think he'd be tickled. All right, Joe, if you're listening, let's uh, let's make it happen. Are you busy next Friday, Joe? Sorry, I can't hear him. No, me neither. Okay, whatever. I'll, I'll send him a message. Later. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's a better idea. Okay. Let's go on to the next question. Uh, I'm just going to pull another one out here. <clears throat> Okay. All right. Okay. Victoria asks, Dear Kyle and Blake, during practice, I like to play queen offensively and aggressively, which works for me 50% of the time and not the other 50%. How do you balance an offensive and defensive approach to playing queen? You know, that's a tricky one, Blake, isn't it? You know, like we know how a queen can account for so much of a team's offense. And yet we also know how a team's fortunes fare when a queen is taking risks just to be offensive. How do you find that balance, Blake? Well, first of all, I'd like to congratulate Victoria on having the self-awareness to recognize this. When playing as a worker, I have to say there is nothing more frustrating than a queen uh, that is essentially ignoring their team's workers and just trying to win military on their own, you know, and then they go and die when you've got like one berry left, you know, and had they only just had the presence of mind to, to kind of approach it a little more holistically would be, you know, their team would have won. So, yeah. So anyways, I think Victoria, even by recognizing that you're already on the way to being an, an excellent queen player. Uh, so yeah, so what what I would say that I do is I, I definitely try to be mindful of matchups. I balance my aggressiveness based on how I feel I can compete with the other queen. So that's at the you know the top level. So you know whether I'm playing against uh, Joe as we mentioned earlier, SK Lover, or you know, someone in our league. Those are those are two two quite different things, right? The other major factor that that plays a role is uh, lives remaining. When you're on your last life as queen, uh, I'm, I'm sure you already know this, but that life is is infinitely more important than the first one, and you know definitely ex- exponentially more important than the second one too. So, so that that helps kind of temper that. Um, and finally, I definitely discussions with your team around around your strategy, however that may evolve over the course of the game, are, are extremely relevant. 
Uh, you know, if you said if you had said you were going to play econ and your team's getting really close on berries, it's time to you you just have to recognize that. Be mindful of what's going on in the map and and you know pull back. Make sure to not die and and let your team down. But if that econ isn't going well and you you recognize that you you're going to lose in that way if you don't get some kills, then it's time to jump in. So yeah, mindfulness, your presence of mind, and, and just keeping an eye on, on the match is, is the third one. Good answer, Blake. I'm sure Victoria will be happy to hear that and take that to uh, take that advice to heart. Okay, one more question. I'll just reach in, pull another one out. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I think this question is going to be your favorite, Blake. Dylan writes, are there some berry holes where throwing a berry in is impossible? She says, I was practicing last night and there were a couple I could not get. And she gives us an example. If you are on the blue side, uh, the top left berry on the Helix Temple. I think this is a question that only somebody with highly specialized knowledge of berries could possibly answer. And if it's berries, well, that's got Blake written all over it. So fun. So fun. I'm just swooning that Dylan is practicing econ. Isn't that great? Oh, God. It's so good. It's so good. Wait, she's on your team, isn't she? She is on my team. I'm going to editorialize here for one second. All right. As far as I'm concerned, the reason why econ is underrated in Stinger Bee League is because it is the it is the strategy of the three of them that takes the most practice to do well. But if you put that practice in and you do it well, you can win shockingly quick. Anyways, okay. So, so, so stoked, Dylan, that you're practicing. That is amazing. I'm just amped. Uh, yes, and as Kyle mentioned, Dylan is on my team. I'd be amped anyways, but extra because she's on my team. Uh, as far as the Helix Temple goes, every berry is 100% swishable. I can uh, promise you that. SK Lover recently posted a great video of it being done by a player named Me's the Beast, or Me as the Beast, I'm not sure, in our Discord. Uh, we'll post a link to that video in show notes. It's quite remarkable. 23 seconds, I think, for solo, solo berries on Helix Temple, and he swishes everyone. As far as all the rest of the maps, I don't have a definitive answer for you, but I strongly, strongly suspect they're all swishable. I would say a uh, big tip if you're having trouble figuring out the angle is look for rebounds. Many of them you, you're going to have to throw against the wall to bounce in. So yeah, just just look for your, look for your, your snooker angles. All right, there you have it, Dylan. There's Blake's answer for you. Good advice, Blake. Okay, next question. Gary writes, Dear Blake and Kyle, long-time listener, first-time mailbagger. Oh, thank you, Gary. Because, he writes, uh, everyone in the league is so likable, I sometimes find it hard to get into the right frame of mind to really crush them into dust. He's very compassionate. One of my tricks, he goes on to say, one of my tricks is to pretend the other team is the cast of How I Met Your Mother so I can build up some animosity towards them. Do you have any tips or tricks for getting into the right mindset for a match? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, Kyle, not only do I have t- tips and tricks, they are going to be... They're going to be legend, wait for it, <gasps> Barry. Uh, uh, something like that. What is that, Kyle? Is that, is that a quote? <laughs> Blake, that's like the most famous How I Met Your Mother line. Aha, uh-huh, I see. Anyways, it's easy for me, personally, Gary. Uh, as a competitive person... I know that I am not happy if I know that my opponents are not giving it their all. If someone is taking it easy, that, that I find that infuriating. 
Uh, so I consider it a matter of respect to do my best for for my opponents. I, I know you're more of a chill dude, so I would say fall back to the uh, the standby for public speaking and just picture your opponents naked. That is the classic standby, isn't it? All right. <laughs> there, there's your answer, Gary. Nudity. All right. I think we've got time for one more question, Blake. Let's see. Here we go. Now, Courtney writes, third season player, first time writer. Thank you, Courtney. Good to have you writing into us. Courtney says, I live with a member of the opposing team. How do I maintain a healthy relationship with my husband while crushing his team? <sighs> well, Blake, I'm sure you'll agree that, you know, we aren't relationship experts here, so we should probably just focus on how Courtney should crush her husband's team. I'm pretty sure you're only saying that because her husband, Adam, is on my team. Oh, don't be silly. I'm also saying it because Courtney is on my team. Okay. Uh, Courtney, the truth is that it is very difficult to maintain that balance. Now, I wouldn't normally recommend this, but in this special case, probably the best thing you can do is find a way to throw the game somehow and let Adam's team win. Don't wait, because that is only going to add unnecessary strain on your very cool and important relationship. Start right away with Week 8 games. Blake, our team plays your, your team in Week 8. Kyle, who's the Killer Queen Black expert here? <sighs> you are. Thank you. Throw the game, Courtney. Courtney, we'll, we'll talk later. <laughs> okay, well, Blake's bag was certainly full of surprises, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Oh, Kyle, I was going to ask you, can I keep the stamps? I'm collecting them. You sure can. I'll just fax them over to you. Thanks. All right. Uh, Blake, I also uh, understand that you have an exciting announcement. Yeah. Uh, as, as posted on the Discord yesterday, uh, we are going to be doing something called Stinger Bee Jamboree. Uh, this is going to be an in-person celebration of our league and the friends we've made along the way. Expect uh, Killer Queen Black, of course, maybe some food, maybe some drinks, maybe some prizes. That will be the evening of Friday, July 23rd um, at my house. If you don't know where that is, hit me up on the Discord. I'm not going to publicly dox myself on this podcast. <laughs> and um, this is a celebration of Stinger Bee uh, League. But uh, this will be taking place after the finals of the season, so it's not not league play. Don't worry if you can't make it; you're not you're not letting your team down. Right? I am so excited for the SBL Jamboree. Oh, this is going to be great! All right, let's look ahead to our next episode. Uh, what do we have in store for our listeners, Blake? Other than hearing about Sting and the Police's against the odds week eight victory over Shaka when the drones fell. Yes, yes. Other than that, thank you. Next week. Uh, our topic will be the secret life of queens. The secret life of queens sounds exciting. All right. Well, let's uh, let's thank all our listeners for tuning in, Blake. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Uh, please join us again next week for the secret life of queens on the Buzzcast. Good night, everybody. Good night. Buzzcast is a non-commercial podcast that has no official affiliation with Killer Queen Black, its publishers, distributors, or developers. The Buzzcast theme song is Easting by the band Low Doses and is used under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. What if they're not listening at night? It's a podcast, right? They can listen anytime. <laughs>